It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on? Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors. And on today's show, we are talking about a wild, very entertaining game that probably should not have happened last night in Brooklyn between the Raptors and Nets. A 131-129 overtime loss for your Toronto Raptors. I'll dig into my big takeaways and why I think Nick Nurse is kind of the most to blame for the loss down the stretch. Plus, we'll talk about Scotty Barnes. Oh my God, Scotty Barnes. And we'll hand out a due to the game as well. That's all coming up in just a second here on Locked on Raptors. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked on Raptors. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1079 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also find the podcast free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So please subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever it is the app of choice tells you to do to support the podcast that you love. Please do that. It's much appreciated. And also, uh, uh, subscribing on YouTube, hitting that big red button is a very nice thing you can do to support the show as well. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you no longer want or need. You can even negotiate better deals on the ones you want to keep with Truebill. Thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast and go check them out. All right, uh, on today's show, we're talking about the Raptors' loss to the Brooklyn Nets last night, 131-129 in Brooklyn in a game that, off the top, we should just get to this. This game should not have happened. It's uh, It seemed pretty irresponsible. We got word about an hour before the game that James Harden was going to be thrown into the COVID protocols along with Bruce Brown, in addition to the five other players that the Nets had added to the protocols earlier on in the day. And so the Nets only had eight available players. And yes, that's the legal amount required to play an NBA game, but as we learned last year with the Toronto Raptors, uh, it's like deeply unfair to ask teams with eight players to play basketball games. It's ridiculous, and considering the rate of spread and how we know there's like incubation periods, and it's not like James Harden hasn't been interacting with other members, and other Nets players haven't been interacting with like healthy, quote-unquote healthy members of the team, it seems a little far-fetched to think you just play this game and not have any risk of potential spread. So holding the fingers, crossing the fingers, holding the breath on what the results of playing this game might have been, but they probably shouldn't have played it. There's just no need. They already canceled that Bulls game for the Raptors on Thursday. Yes, it would have been kind of a bummer to have two games canceled this week, but you know what's more of a bummer is having a COVID outbreak within your team. And so 
I, like, I, I just think this game should not have happened. But uh, as it happens, it did, so we have to talk about it. And there were some interesting and entertaining elements of it, very much so. And, and so we'll dive into it. We'll get into our big takeaways from this game, uh, talk about where things went wrong late in this one as the Raptors fell to the Nets in OT with some uh, ill-timed makes from Patty Mills and such down the stretch. Uh, and then we will also dig into the dude of the game and hand out some love to uh, another dude of the game winner. In addition, Scotty Barnes is going to come up, I'm assuming, because Scotty Barnes is amazing and is the only thing that really, really matters here. Uh, but with that, let's get into my takes from last night's game. And I think my big takeaway here is that, you know, look, you can point the finger at Fred Van Vliet for a, an ill-advised late game shot. You can point the, the finger at, you know, Pascal Siakam for not having a, you know, strong box out on that last offensive rebound by David Duke Jr., who had six offensive rebounds in the game and was bludgeoning the Raptors under the glass basically all night long. You can, you know, pin it on whoever you want. I, ultimately, I think, one, if you're pointing the finger at either Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., or Scotty Barnes, you're missing the point because you can't win a game against a team with eight players when only four guys actually show up. I think five guys actually showed up. We'll get to the fifth guy later on. But those four guys were really, really good for the Raptors in this game. They were getting whatever they wanted on offense. Their defense, you know, that, that was maybe a sore spot for the entire team in this game, although I think it was really the rebounding that did them in because their first attempt defense was just fine. It was those offensive boards that they got absolutely crushed with. They gave up in total in this game 19 offensive rebounds, which is you can't have that. You can't do that and expect to win, especially against a team that has Kevin Durant on it. It's just not going to happen. And so, yes, there's some blame to go around for, you know, Siakam only having six boards, I suppose, or, um, you know, like Fred Van Vliet maybe getting like sort of overpowered by David Duke Jr. in a couple instances trying to box him out. But he's also five inches shorter than David Duke Jr. So I don't know how much you can really blame on Fred Van Vliet or, you know, place blame, but Fred Van Vliet's feet there. Fred Van Vliet's feet. That's not a thing I should ever say on the podcast ever again because it's hard to do. Either way, I, I just, I don't, see the sort of like direct line that it seems like people will take to and like this is just me sort of like sourcing my mentions last night I suppose and just kind of seeing stuff floating around reading the game recaps and stuff like that it does seem like there was a very negative tone coming out of this game related to specifically like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam Fred Van Vliet more so because of the late game miss but like if you're looking at those four guys like as has been the case all season long Yes, maybe they can do things a little bit above their heads or whatever, but they're mostly playing to exactly what you would hope they would play at. They just don't have any damn help, and you're not getting anything from the second unit. Outside of that game against the Kings, it's been really rough getting contributions from the second unit. Last night, you know, after the wonderful 53 points off the bench against the Kings, they end up getting just 16 points out of their bench last night. Just not good enough. And then you throw in the fact that Chris Boucher, who started and closed this game, was also extremely rough on the defensive end. He was also getting moved around pretty easily under the glass. He had nine boards, but he was just like completely outmatched physically by basically every member of the Nets in this game. When you factor all that in, I don't know how you can come to any conclusion that suggests that Siakam, Barnes, Van Vliet, or Trent is really to blame for how this game went down. And we'll get to it. Like, yeah, they probably should have run something different late in the game. They probably should have not run it through Fred on that final possession in regulation. But 
ultimately you're you're nitpicking such small things when the bigger picture here is they had no help whatsoever. And frankly, I think the real sort of culprit for this one is this was not a very good Nick Nurse game. I didn't think he managed this one super well. I thought the decision to take Yuta Watanabe out down the stretch to bring Chris Boucher back in, I thought that was kind of where the game was lost, honestly, because Boucher was completely out to lunch on defense in this game. We've seen some nice steps from him lately where he's been in that position as sort of the backline line of defense for the Raptors, very aggressive, you know, helping defensive scheme. And he's been there and he's been able to provide that at the rim sort of mop-up duty. He did not do that last night. And then there were possessions where he just completely cost the Raptors enormous buckets. He was also a culprit on that David Duke Jr. offensive rebound late in the game, much the same as Siakam was. And he was to blame for the Patty Mills game-tying three at the end of regulation, just completely left Patty Mills as he switched on to Patty Mills, left him entirely after Patty Mills had put up like 24 points at that point in the game and was just destroying the Raptors as the number two option for the Nets last night without James Harden in in the lineup. All of that, it, it just, it was such a, like, a, a nightmare defensive breakdown for Boucher to lose him and then have the closeout he did late in the game where he just flies by instead of just standing up in front of him with his long arms and making it a difficult shot. It was not a difficult shot for Patty Mills. It was a wide open in rhythm three created entirely because of Chris Boucher's breakdown. And this is why Chris Boucher is not going to be in the rotation when this team is fully healthy. As much as he's played nicely lately, had some offensive success, he is not currently cutting it in terms of the things that the Raptors need from their bigs. And he just, I thought it was a really poor decision by Nick Nurse. Yuta Watanabe didn't shoot well in this game. He was just one of five from downtown, one of six overall, but he just makes things happen when he's on the floor. He's making those second reads and, you know, get putting the ball in the deck and making things happen, throwing gorgeous passes. He had three assists last night. He was just really good. And I thought he was the best chance the Raptors had as the fifth guy closing last night. You know, yes, you sort of give up some size, I suppose, with Utah instead of Boucher, but actually you don't because they're about the same height. Maybe there's an inch less for Utah, but Utah's thicker and he's just a better rebounder in terms of boxing out positionality, all this stuff. He had a double-double the night before against the Kings and his rebounding has been a real strength when he's been on the floor. I would have been totally fine rolling with him and finishing the game with like Scotty Barnes playing center, for example, where he's shown off that he's been an excellent rim protector lately and can actually play that center role within the Raptors scheme. That would have been the move for me. And so I thought Nick Nurse really erred there. And then I thought Nick Nurse erred in not calling a timeout on that final possession as well. After the Patty Mills three, you know, Fred walks it up and there's no timeout. I'm sitting there waiting for the timeout to happen. Then I'm sitting there waiting for them to run something for Scotty Barnes, who was red hot in the fourth quarter, in the second half, was unbelievable, was carrying the Raptors in a lot of ways. Figured, hey, the the wonderkind who's shooting fire from his eyeballs right now, why not run something for him in this game? Development and all that. And they did not do that. They kind of went against what their sort of ethos has been with Scotty Barnes, which is put as much on him as you can. And what better opportunity than to put that on him, a game-winning shot, a real sort of development opportunity, in addition to maybe him being the best guy for the job at that time based on the events of the game. Instead, they don't call the timeout, and Fred goes hero ball and puts up an air ball, and it goes to OT. They lose steam in OT and all of that. Uh, You know, 
I just, I did not like the decision not to call timeout. That doesn't mean I think Fred Van Vliet's terrible, that you're like in a bad situation if you're asking him to create late in the clock. But I think we've seen there are better guys who can create an advantage in those late situations. We saw it last week against the Thunder and Fred having trouble creating that look and getting it blocked. I believe it was Darius Baisley, if I'm not mistaken, that, that got the block on him and, uh, you know, led to the sort of doomed tip-in attempt by Champagny. And then last night, kind of a similar idea. There's just, it's difficult for Fred Van Vliet to gain that advantage right and if he's not like bombing a three from 30 feet and sort of using the space that he just kind of creates by being out there it's it's tricky for him in that late clock situation I get the impetus to not want to turn it over and if you want to give it to a guy to not turn it over Fred Van Vliet is your guy but with that being a tie game not being too much in terms of stakes or anything like that I wish they just would have called the timeout and actually run something interesting for the guy who had carried them through that fourth quarter who was Scotty Barnes so yeah, this one's on Nurse, I think, more than anything else. And then if the second tier of blame is to be brought in, I think it's on the second unit, just not providing anything and forcing the Raptors to have to play incredibly heavy starters minutes down the stretch. And really, really just, you know, it, it just was not a good scene for this team in this game because they just didn't have enough dudes. And again, you can get, you know, upset with Pascal Siakam missing some threes late or whatever. You can get upset with Fred Van Vliet going hero ball, but I think you're ultimately missing the point if those are the guys who are drawing your ire because there were a bunch of guys who just laid eggs in this one. And I thought Nick Nurse had one of his worst coaching games of the season as well. So those are the big takeaways there. Uh, I'll continue on here and, and talk about uh, Scotty Barnes, who was also the takeaway from this game in a very big way. We will get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stance. They are a wonderful, wonderful company. And when I heard we were going to be getting some Stance merch, I was very excited because I already have Stance stuff in my house. I have Stance socks. They are fantastic. I have basketball-themed ones. I have elf-themed ones. I have all the different socks you might want. I got holidays and the rest of the seasons also covered off with my Stance socks. They're founded in 2009. Stance apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. I love the Stance socks. I love that you can get Disney and Marvel versions. I love that you can get NBA and Major League Baseball versions as well. So many great designs to match whatever your mood might be, whatever season it might be. Stance has the apparel for you. And it's not just socks. They also have underwear. They have basics for athletic wear as well. Highly recommend you go check out their catalog. Catalog? Menu? Or their, their list of wonderful products. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That those who feel good, do good, and go see for yourself. Register for a, an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code locked on at checkout. And you can enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Use that promo code locked on for 15% off at checkout. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus 
free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, let's continue on here. Scotty Barnes. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes, shall we? And look, I don't know if I'm just a mark, if I'm just someone who is kind of living in this naive dream world. That's totally possible. I know I come into this podcast with a more sort of positive, optimistic lens. But frankly, I don't understand how anybody doesn't have that sort of ethos this season with the way things have transpired with Scotty Barnes, who I've maintained all along is the guy who matters the most about this season, and it's not even close. And the fact that he's this far ahead of schedule, that last night he puts up 23 points, 12 boards, 5 assists, guards Kevin Durant basically the entire game, and is hitting pull-up, step-back threes in the corner, hitting threes in Kevin Durant's eyes after sort of hitting or grabbing offensive rebounds and taking a step out. He's doing everything. He's posting up Kevin Durant and scoring over him with baby hooks. It's just an unbelievable performance from Scotty Barnes, continuing the trend of just how ridiculously consistent he's been and how effective he's been in basically every facet of his rookie season. He's been so good and so ahead of schedule, I can't possibly get mad about a loss in the middle of December to fall to 13 and 15. Yes, the Nets were shorthanded. They also had Kevin Durant, who you can throw seven humps around that dude, and he's going to be uh, have you in contention. He's incredible. But ultimately, yeah, they lost this game. It stinks. But what we saw from Scotty Barnes is what really matters big picture. And, you know, you might say, oh, well, the, the Fred Van Vliet not being a good crunch, crunch time scorer is also, you know, a sign for the big picture. That's a problem. Pascal Siakam having trouble in crunch time and not taking over. That's a problem. It's not a problem because Scotty Barnes exists. And this team is going to have years together. They have a long sort of runway ahead of them. In theory, they're all locked up. And, and you know, Fred Van Vliet, I think, as an option after next season, feels like he's going to be a guy the Raptors want to keep around long term because he's awesome. And I think they're going to pay him a max. And that's going to be fun because Fred Van Vliet's great. He's been the best player on the team so far this season. He drives winning and all of that. Just for those who are like upset about Fred yesterday, by the way, just another note on that. He is currently, four, the team is currently 14.6 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor than they are when he is off. They're a plus 3.6 when he's out there, a minus 11 when he's not out there. So yeah, Fred Van Vliet's good and the late shot miss does not change that in any way. Back to the point. If Fred Van Vliet is not quite your number one closer, which I don't think anyone is suggesting that he is, if Pascal Siakam is not your number one closer, which I think we've established on this here podcast, it's canon, he's not. He's a good number two, potentially a great number two on a team that can potentially contend for a title. I'm convinced of that. Then that leaves a sort of vacuum at the top, right? And it's like, oh, who's going to fill that? Are they going to go find someone? Are they gonna... No, no, Scotty Barnes is going to fill that at some point here soon. And it might be sooner than later because... He's just being emboldened to try more and do more. And maybe it's not going to be this year that you look at the team and you see Scotty Barnes at the top and everything else falling into place beneath him. But as early as next season, I could see the Raptors just building their whole thing, their whole scheme and ethos around Scotty Barnes being the central hub. And that would be damn fine by me because he seems like he's on track to being there. He's special, man. And what we saw last night against the Nets was one of his best performances so far in a season that's been loaded with really good performances. He has been so hilariously consistent, which is just like not something you ever associate with rookies and you probably shouldn't because it's just it's not something that's standard. His defense has come along obviously to a, like just an incredible like like it's reached reached incredible heights. He's just been good 
basically every single night out. And last night, he just keeps out adding more and more. He's adding more to the dribble drive game. He's just kind of being emboldened to do more offensively. He took one shot in the first half last night. That was disappointing. He ended up taking uh, 12 in the second half. That's, I think, what we're going to see the Raptors sort of move more towards in terms of shot distribution. I could totally see by season's end, you know, maybe Scotty's taking more shots than Siakam and Fred VanVleet. I wouldn't be shocked by that, just depending on how the development goes and how the standings are shaking out. Maybe they get a head start on building their thing around Scotty Barnes being the central hub. And ultimately, the fact that we're talking about this, that within two, three years, we could be looking at this Raptors team that has been realigned around a rookie they just drafted six months ago who was doing this, that's the thing that matters. That is the big picture takeaway here. And the losses in the middle of December because, you know, your guys who we've already kind of established are miscast being as high as they are in the hierarchy, they're on their way to not being so high in the hierarchy. And that's more than okay. And so, yeah, maybe I'm just like this like insane optimist who can't get upset. I'm just like, as our friend Matt Moore from Locked On Nuggets and from uh, the internet, Harvard Paroxysm, like as our friend Matt Moore likes to call Raptors fans, it's like Whoville, like they're just singing no matter what, who's stealing their gifts, they're just singing no matter what. Yeah, I'm singing because Scotty Barnes is like, he's just... You can't really put into words the the sort of changing of the game that his arrival means for this Raptors team and their trajectory going forward. And I get you don't want to be too patient. You want to see results right away. But, like, we are seeing results from Scotty Barnes already. We're going to see more. And I think the more we see games like last night where he's taking it upon himself to just kind of, like, carry the day for the team in the second half... The more we see of that, the more the sort of final vision of this team comes into picture, and that is a a vision of a team where Pascal Siakam isn't asked to be the number one offensive option all the time, and he can be a really reliable number two. You're seeing a future where Fred Van Vliet is just being the incredible, all-encompassing, effectual player that he is, where every element of the game he's, he's affecting, and he's not getting dragged down by the fact that he's getting overextended in crunch time moments where he's got to create a shot for himself, where he's just not going to do that all the time. Like, run more stuff for Scotty. That's, like, really my big sort of complaint with, uh, with with Nick Nurse from this game, was just not running something for Scotty in that late stretch as well. Like, he's just so advanced and beyond where we thought he was going to be. He's a pleasure to watch, and I just, I can't bring myself to get upset about these midseason losses in a season that is not about winning a title. This is a season about wins and lessons and learning your sort of learning the ropes and going through growing pains. And not to mention, they've also still not had their full complement of players available in weeks or ever. Like, it's just, it's been such a weird, rocky season. The fact that the 13 and 15 right now, with Scotty Barnes looking this good, I don't know how you can be anything but happy with how the season's gone. Little losses and stuff to, you know, you can quibble with them, but they don't matter in the big picture. They really don't. Fred Van Vliet, when things really get to the point where this team is contending, is not going to be asked to close games with the ball in his hands as the number one option. Pascal Siakam is not going to be overburdened as a guy who has to create everything as the only dynamic offensive player the team has sometimes because Scotty Barnes is here. Scotty Barnes is coming. Scotty Barnes has already come in some sort of fashion. And it's going to change the game for how this team is is sort of organized and how the geometry of the floor works and all this stuff going forward. And that is what the real sort of big takeaway is here. Scotty Barnes propaganda over. He's incredible. I can't wait to watch him play basketball again. We don't get to watch him play again until Saturday at the earliest. And we'll see if that game happens because who the hell knows it these days with uh, how the league is going to operate and what games, whether when we're going to have the Rudy Gobert 2.0 moment. I don't know. But 
Either way, just uh, Scotty Bartz. Just think about that. Go watch the step back from the corner to Tide 117 last night. Watch that like a dozen times, and then you'll not have any bad feelings about this game because Scotty Barnes is doing stuff like that, and that's the takeaway. Anyway, I'll continue on with the dude of the game coming up in just one second. We'll round up the show, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. You can head to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON to get that bonus triggered. So you put in $100, bucks, you get $150 magically in your your account to play with that's an incredible deal from basketball football nhl boxing ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts and today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. It's Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavored, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, also high in protein as well. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. You get a ton of flavors to choose from as well, limited time flavors that pop up all the time, and Built Bar is going to give you that extra fuel to bust down those mall doors or battle through the lines or you know do some exercise in between i went for a bike ride yesterday first bike ride in a while because the weather's been miserable and i had a built bar beforehand and it powered me through and it was a wonderful decision and you can also uh make it a christmas gift why not throw some built bars into people's stockings ask santa to bring you some that's a wonderful way to sort of fill out that stocking make it nice and robust and also delicious and healthy as well and you want to cozy up with cozy up with something warm here's a holiday uh, secret for you dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa and let it melt a little you got yourself a delicious beverage you can feel good about plus if you like marshmallowy stuff, you might put marshmallows in some hot cocoa, number one. But also, if you want those marshmallowy treats around the holiday, you can get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, let's round out the show with the segment everyone's talking about. It is, of course... The dude of the game. And your dude of the game winner for last night against the Brooklyn Nets. Look, I could have taken any of the four main guys, but all were too important to really be classified as dudes, I think. So there's only one real choice here to me. And that choice is, of course, Yuta Watanabe, who gets his third dude of the game win here. He's only been back for like three weeks. He's already racked up three dude of the game wins. Good for Yuta. Uh, he was really effective in this game. I thought the things he was doing... It's kind of stuff we haven't seen from him too much before. This was maybe the most, like, condensed amount, the highest volume of, like, really excellent, you know, drive and kick plays and sort of secondary creation that we've seen from Utah. And he's been a delight to watch. He was only one of six and one of five from downtown. And, like, he's got to make his threes. That's a, clearly a thing that he's got to be doing to really open things up and, and fully make this Raptors team weaponized. But... He, when he was on the floor, I felt comfortable. I felt good, and I wish he had closed the game because I think his defense is just far beyond where Chris Boucher's is. And his rebounding, frankly, I trust more as well. But it's those secondary creation plays that are really, really thrilling. And I think I've made this comparison before, and it's not apples to apples because, you know, the other guy who I'm going to compare you to was like kind of slow and lumbering at times. But 
Remember when Patrick Patterson was like leading the league in plus minus every year and was just this like obviously positive effect on the team whenever he was out there. People were calling for him to start. People were calling for him as like the LeBron stopper and all this stuff. Utah is kind of what we thought Patrick Patterson was back then. Patrick Patterson had no secondary creation game at all. Like he could drive and miss a floater. That was basically all he had. Utah actually has that stuff. And I keep saying this, but he is just like the perfect role player. He does... So many role player things that you need. Again, the defense is great. He's going to box out and, and, and rebound aggressively. And he's going to, if not grab the rebounds himself, he's going to make sure there's not bodies out there floating around to pick up those rebounds more often than not. And he does, just like on offense, he greases the wheels. He can make the connecting pass. He can keep a play alive and take an advantage and advance it. He can knock down threes normally. You can run stuff with him coming off of screens and stuff like that. He's just a delight to watch, and I feel so good when he's on the floor. And of all of the guys in the Raptors rotation right now who are vying for spots once they get to full health and OG and Kem Bircher back, I think Utah is the only one who's clearly cemented himself as a rotation piece when this team is fully healthy. I think he's like the seventh best player on the team, frankly. I think he's just like a really useful dude to have on the floor and does do to the game stuff basically every time he hits it. And so... Yeah, he didn't have his greatest shooting night. That's, you know, not ideal. You want to see him hopefully knock down his threes at a higher rate and all of that. But otherwise, everything he did on the floor last night, despite having a team worst minus 15 last night, which I don't really understand. I guess that speaks to the plus minus and maybe why it's kind of fictitious. But I think he just offers so much when he's out there. And that second unit, look, it didn't work last night. I talked about this after the Kings game, that Barnes plus V. Banton slash Flynn, uh, Utah, and uh, who was the other guy out there with them? Justin Champagny. That lineup did not have very much success. They got kind of bludgeoned in the second quarter. The, that was short-lived uh, bliss for Scotty in the bench. But I think if those lineups are going to work, it's because Utah is able to offer some secondary creation off the ball. Um, you know, you're not asking Malachi Flynn to create everything. You're not asking Scotty Barnes to create everything when he's going to be the central attention, uh, central focus of attention for a defense. Utah can be out there to make those secondary plays. He just has such a good heads up view of the floor. Hit a beautiful pass and transition to Chris Boucher last night. He had a few gorgeous passes last night that, you know, had varying degrees of success once they landed in the hands of the player he was passing to. But, those lineups are going to work because that extra creation is there in the form of Utah. And just a really, really uh, excellent, uh, I thought, like sort of between the lines, not very good shooting performance. But as like one of six shooting nights go, it was a pretty damn good one from Utah last night. And again, I maintain he absolutely should have closed that game without question. I, that would have been my call. But hey, that's why I'm sitting here doing a podcast and not coaching basketball, I suppose, because I don't make the same calls that the pros do. Either way, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always, and making Locked On Raptors your first listen of the day. You can go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, as your boy Q and Lee Sterling are filling you all in on, on everything you need to know about the betting scene, football coming up. Obviously, the playoffs are getting close, basketball, all this betting is going on, and they are there to help you win some bucks uh we'll be back again tomorrow i think katie heinel is going to pop on the show tomorrow she was supposed to be here today but we had some technical issues so that's why i'm here solo yammering on to you katie heinel will be on tomorrow ideally and then uh jamar hines from tsn is going to pop on on friday we're going to have a little chat as well and look ahead to the warriors game on saturday and all that good stuff anyway thank you so much for being here as always we'll talk to you again on thursday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.